What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Hi guys, before we start, just a quick note to say that today's episode is sponsored by Martian Lit, publishing a line of independent sci-fi comics, including their latest book, The Synthetics, Volume 1, by none other than our friend Julian Darius, now available on Amazon. No invasion, or your money back. Check out below, in the notes, for links to both their site and the book on Amazon. Right, now to the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. Welcome to a new year. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we are doing a brand new format. Every quarter, we're going to have specific uh, episodes. We're going to repeat that format every quarter. And I'm kicking off with story time. You sit back, you relax, and you listen to us talk about a story from the 20th century uh, within our sort of like genre. It could be horror, it could be science fiction, it could be anything. And today, I am joined by the fantastic Tony Farina. And Tony, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited. Um, I loved, I mean, I loved it. I'm an English teacher. So of course, short stories are my jam. <laughs> and I've loved the short stories you've done so far. I mean, I got to be on one, you and mm. Jack did one. And so I'm excited to be back to talk about short stories. This is, I love story time. This is great. I, we, everybody can't see us, but we're sitting on a circle. Obviously we've got our, we've got our <laughs> on a rug. We've got our milk and cookies. We're ready for story time. That's, that's it. Yeah, I'm ready for story time. What does it say? Sit back, relax. And I shall tell you a story. Are you comfy, cozy? Uh, well, today we're going to be talking about a story that you sent me. You, you, you sort of uh, hit me up on Discord about this one. I was like, "Have you read this?" And I hadn't. And this, uh, we, I, I can't. I'm going to. I'm trying to frame this as much as possible. This story was written by uh, E. M. Forrester in 1909. That's that's the most important thing. You need to pause there, everybody, and think about that yeah because we're it's insane yeah that this story that. is a hundred and 113 years old 112 113 years old keep that in mind the story the story is called the machine stops and so the story just to give you a quick overview of the plot it, it's free the thing i should say is this is um before we sort of spoil anything because we are going to get deep into this there was a link to the story below uh but more importantly this is um copyright free it is out there Go find it if, you, if the link doesn't work, whatever. But you can also hear it, can't you? There's there's versions of it uh, available. I'll put a link in for through LibriVox. Well, absolutely. Yep. 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 It's called the machine stops. So now, right, maybe two seconds. You've read it, right? We're going to get into it now. Here we go. Yes. So this story. Firstly, we'll, we'll just give a quick. Let's give a quick overview. The story follows a woman, uh, and then it sort of follows her son. So it follows this Correct. sort of relationship. Uh, this woman, she lives in an underground environment, in a pod, uh, as do the entire population of the Earth. And within this pod, she is exposed to it. She gets food, she gets uh, sustenance, her bed is there. Uh, she's able to broadcast lectures. Uh, she broadcasts lectures on uh, Australian, the Australian period in classical music, uh, which is a wonderful little touch. Oddly specific, but yeah. it, it comes back around later. It was it a does. nice setup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so she, but what happens is because they're living under Earth, because the Earth has been uh, decimated, really, all the resources are gone, you cannot live on the surface. However, um, she has to, she decides, or no, she's invited to go see her son who lives on the, well, almost on the other side of the Earth. And mm -hmm. she takes an airship and during the travels, you get some glimpses of the Earth and her reaction to that. And when she meets her son, he actually exclaims that this is all a farce. This is this is a, you know, a fragile environment in which they live and they need to start making their way back to the surface. And then the story short for a short time follows him and his uh, attempts to, to get back to the surface. Uh, and then for the final part, it turns to her. Uh, and what we find out is that he was very right. And the machine starts to stop. Yes. <clears throat> so oh, let's, so let's, good. let's get into this because that's very, very brief overview because there's some amazing stuff in this. Um, firstly, where did you, 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 you told me off air, but like, let's say, where did you come across this? Yeah. So, um, I'm actually one night I couldn't sleep. And, uh, um, so when I can't sleep after a while, I stick my headphones in and I always have like this little MP3 player that also happens to have a radio. Mm. And so I listen to my local national public radio station and overnight we don't, we listen, we play the BBC on my local station. So I'm listening to a BBC. It's like four o'clock in the morning, my time. So 9 a.m. over there on the BBC World Service. And there was this lecture. They're called the Rife Lectures, R-E-I-T-H Lectures. And there's this whole series. And this guy was doing a thing on AI. And um, AI, for the future for humans, it was called. And he, so the story says, so I'm trying to go to sleep, keep in mind. So I'm listening to this <laughs> thinking, there's just going to be, you know, it'll be like BBC World Service, you know, nine o'clock, boop. And then they like tell me, oh, it's sport. And I'm hearing about cricket. And I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to fall asleep. But this lecture happens to be on. And I am wide awake because he's like, this E.M. Forrester wrote the story called, and he starts going into it. And so I was like, trying to fall asleep, but also trying to remember everything. So was, I didn't jump out of bed. But as soon as I got up a few hours later, I like 7am, I got up, I went to the computer, I looked it up, I wrote it down, ready to go, started reading it. I wasn't even done by the time I sent you the link. I just jumped on a Discord. I'm like, oh, holy fuck, Scott. <laughs> so that's how I found it. And it's it's frustrating because I'm an English teacher. So it is what I know of E.M. Forrester is as he's, he writes the thick plotting British mm. novels about stuff. You know, he like writes about you know, here's the inner life of the servants. He wrote Howard's End and Remains mm. of the Day. And, you know, those Merchant Ivory films are based on his books. So that's what, that's what I know him as. I like that. I had no idea he had done anything like this. So I, I feel like I've been lied to my whole life about, about what Ian Forrester could do. <laughs> he, has a, he has a second life. He goes out at night and writes, uh, well, almost, yeah, like dark sci-fi uh, stories, fantasy stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Like you said, you sent it to me. And again, like, I was like, okay. And like, you know, again, like you said, it was 1909. You were saying to me, like, keep that in mind. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, prepare for the kind of language it's going to be. It's a, it's a shift in mindset. And within that first page, like, it just hits you. Like, you know, it's it not, um, it's not, there's no violence. It's not like aggressive. It's nothing. It's not like that. It's, it, it's just the sort of the tone that it sets. It's so out of time. That like you know this could be sort of like a, a, an Arthur C. Clarke or uh, Asimov story. This this, re this feels like second half of the twentieth century. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you can see. I mean, I, you know, as you're reading it, you're like, oh, whoever wrote Twelve Monkeys read this. Oh, whoever, 
you know, like Scott Westerfeld, the young adult writer, I can list like probably 50 people whose books I've read mm. or movies I've seen who clearly read this and I had never read it. So yeah, it's amazing. And what I love about it, like you said, it starts off in second person, which is so smart. There's some omniscient narrator telling us the story, which is such a great framing device. And normally when you think third person, you're like, okay, yeah, of course there's a there's an all-powerful narrator. No, no, but this isn't an this is a person. Somebody has survived this story and you know that from the first paragraph and it's so you forget until you get to the end because you get so caught up in the story but it starts by saying imagine if you will so somebody's talking straight to you in yeah. second person and you're like holy shit you know right. like that's, you said it's story time it is yeah. well, it's totally been told to you the, the, the two things crop up and i was thinking because later on one of the things they talk about is lectures and all i could think of is like this is being told in one of those lectures. It's almost like a mm -hmm. meta story. Like this is being recited as a, as a story to the same audience. The other thing is obviously, you know, uh, on the Patreon, uh, Julian and I do trekking through the twilight zone. Right. I couldn't read that first paragraph without hearing Rod Serling's voice. <laughs> 100%. I know. But this is a twilight zone episode. Um, it's it, so good. Yeah. It does everything right. It does. And again, so Rod Serling read this, right? Yeah. We know there's zero percent, you know, he read it. You think of all like O. Henry, all of our like really good short story writers who like a good twist, who who know how who know how to set tone, who know how to create place, because that first paragraph is so specific and it doesn't mm. so it gives you, like you said, right from the beginning, you're hooked. And it isn't everything you said is true. You're gonna prepare yourself for this 1909 language, but it isn't that. No. It is somehow from the future yeah. linguistically as well. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you and I have read like uh, the pulp stories of that sort of time, you know, and slightly mm -hmm. after sort of like, you know, John Carter and Tarzan and the, the Edgar Rice Burroughs and even like Lovecraft. And so you know that's what I was expecting. I was expecting this sort of like ponderous sort of thing. And you get into it, and you're just like, no, this thing belts along. Um, and as you sort of say, so it says, you know, imagine if you can a small room. And that's where it starts. But then it sort of goes into a hexagonal in shape, like a cell of a bee. It is lighted neither by window nor by lamp, yet it is filled with soft radiance. There are no apertures of, or for ventilation, yet the air is fresh. There are no musical instruments, and yet at the moment of my meditation, uh, that my meditation opens. This room is throbbing with melodious sounds. And it's just this description that, like, yeah, you can't help but like picture this in your head. It's so well done. Um, and weird, this is the thing, it's so, I don't know what you felt, but like one of the things I feel about this story is it opens with this sort of gentle tone, you know, picture if you will. It's very sort of, yeah. like you say, it's very yeah. sort of like English story, you know. Here's this one, it, it almost sounds wonderful. It's this little cocoon, it's this soft thing, the music is coming through, and it's, it's well from everywhere. from everywhere. Yeah, you don't know. The room is just glowing, and there's yeah. music, and there's fresh air, and you can't see these things. And so, right, you feel like, oh, some this is utopia. Wonderful. Because, it's like the womb, yeah. it's like the womb, you've returned to that kind of thing. And then, as the story progresses, you're like, it's not, this, I didn't mean to this, but it's a pun, it's not a womb, it's a tomb. It is. And it's like the, the 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 menace of this story, the shift for you like, when she returns back to that thing. So she does go on this journey, and she's terrified of doing it. And then the like the description you get later on when she is contacted by her son, and we'll get onto the technology in a bit about what she sees. Um, Outrageous, she, yeah. But when she does, she chooses to leave, and it's there's a there's a portal open to a door, and there's like this there's this funnel, this tube that goes up. And it's yeah. just like, you know, oh, she can't see beyond it. Like, she doesn't know what's out there. Like, 
it's a risk and you realize like oh yeah she's got no exposure to physical other people yeah you don't know the last time and you don't realize that at first because it's like all the you don't realize that she hasn't left her room in who knows how long Mm. and and because one of my favorite things in this is you know obviously whoever wrote wally the 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 pixar movie yeah obviously and the guy i'm pretty sure the guy in the lecture brought up wally a little bit because Mm. of the way that the people are are described a little bit like when they drop something they don't bend over and pick it up the floor lifts it up yes because they can't bend over and you know they don't touch each other and all this other stuff but when she gets the brilliant thing so she takes this huge journey and she like you said she's stressed out and it's very good the the description of the flight attendant and how she's used to people and like there's all these little shorthand things. But when she finally gets to her son, Kono's room, it's exactly the same. Yeah. And there's even a line, it's like, it's like she didn't even leave her own room because everything is exactly the same. So again, that shorthand is telling you how far in the future this is. To have mm. two places on the opposite side of the world where every room is exactly the same. And Kono also, in theory, shouldn't be leaving his room either. And it's designed that way so that and it's talked about kind of in passing about these young boys who are taking the place of the people who die. Mm. All rooms are the same. So no matter where you end up, which side of, we, we can move you around because it doesn't matter. Where you live is irrelevant because every space is identical everywhere. We are all the same. It's, it was just really short story writers. And I love that you're doing short stories. They have to be so economical. Yes. You know, and that's why it's crazy that this is Forrester because Remains of the day is not economic. <laughs> no. Yeah, it is. It, is I think like every, it's, it's broken into three sections. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, um, I'll have a look. That's called the airship. Um, the fixing. What's it called? The um, hold on. The mending apparatus. Yes, and then um, the final section is oh, the homeless. Home, oh, the homeless. Yeah, so that's it. So in, in each title. Is, is is more of a descriptor of something that happens or is something within the story. So mm-hmm. the airship is the, you know is the is what she uses to travel. And then the mending apparatus, which took me a while, like you're reading it, and I'll get, we'll get to it in a minute, is is this is so far in the future because the mending apparatus is a worm. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big a big snake type thing. Yeah. He calls it a giant worm, but yeah. it's like they don't say snake because then that leads me to believe. They, there are no snakes, but they don't want you to be afraid of anything. So they mm. wouldn't call it a snake because snake has a negative connotation. Mm. Oh, they're harmless. So yeah. I found that really oddly specific with the language. Yeah. And then the homeless at the end right. is um, where it gets really sort of dystopian. When you realize how messed up <laughs> this world is. Uh, and we'll get into that. We're sort of we're circling around things, but let, let's start. I mean, let's go. Let's go to the yeah. beginning. I mean, the beginning is like you say. She, you find this woman, uh, middle-aged, Vashti. Yeah, is it Vashti? And she's in her pod, and she's a she's a, a music pr- scholar. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and she listens to this Australian sort of uh, the Australian period, and then she pro- she uh, projects lectures out into the world. And people listen to those lectures. And then they give lectures and so on and so forth. And there's this idea of, this one's, I'm not going to say, there was this notion of ideas. And you get ideas by listening to other people's lectures and this sort of thing. So it's a regurgitation of information. <clears throat> um, but this whole, first, this whole first section, before she gets in the plane, before she's contacted by her son, 
as you said, is, is almost there to sort of warm you up to the world. It's to give this false sense of security. It seems pretty cool. Mm. There's, right? FaceTime exists. And, yes. um, you know, shit is just brought to you. So the FaceTime, like her son calls her, and it's a blue disc, it's called. It's mm. like an iPad or like we're, we're talking, I mean, you're in England, I'm in America, we're yeah. using the blue discs. Um, and they kind of see each other's faces. And there's even the line about how well you can see each other, you don't actually get the tone. You don't always understand the hidden meaning behind what the person's means, yes. which again, you lose sometimes. Like we're seeing each other right now, mm. but even then, I don't know, you know, I mean, you could have no pants on. I have no idea. <laughs> what could that mean? You know what I mean? But the stockings from the waist down. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's always, but even, even, even if I could see your fishnet stockings, there's still like the idea that technology, the commentary is, is that you lose a little, even as great yeah. as it is, but they like forgive that. Cause they're like super cool. He's on the other side of the world and they can just pop. He can just make a call and they see each other. There's not mm. even a phone. So it's like, so like he invented iPads and the internet and, and, you know, um, concierge, you know, remote, con like remote yes. delivery services, like we have now, everything's delivered to your door and, and um, the hidden like Bluetooth voice, voice activation, voice um, activation, and holy and shit. Yeah. It yeah. seems, and if you're reading this 1909, you are partly terrified, but yeah. also totally fascinated. Like you said, he's setting it up so that you, he makes it sound like, isn't this awesome? Exactly, because yeah, you're, if you're reading this, the first, you know, the first part of the 20th century, like all this technology that you're reading about, like you say, it's Jules Verne, it's um, you know that kind of thing, and you're going, yeah, this is amazing. Oh, this, look at the stuff, like you know, and it is. It, it, the, when you first read, even in the 21st century, that first part of the story, you're like, oh, yeah, I've got that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's it. Lulls you into this idea of just like almost ticking the box of going. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. The beds come out the wall. Like you said, the food derives when they, they drop things. The floor raises it up to them. They yeah. sit in an armchair and they then they, they she does a lecture from her armchair and then she decides to listen to another one. Um in yeah. response and, and all this other stuff. And you're like, all right, yeah, this sounds like you know, it sounds the, the, the language he uses makes it sound warm and welcoming and controlled. Um in, in even, a good way. In a good way, and then and then it's sort of um, and it's the it's the phone call. I'll call it the phone call. The communication from her son, that where things start to, the 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 where or the sort of you know the sort of stains start to appear. And one of the things I can't remember, I'm not entirely sure where it comes up, but she refers to him as his son. But then it's like revealed like, yeah, he's sort of the only one that she's in contact with. And you're like, what? What do you mean the only one? And there's a fantastic line in this later on where they talk about children. They say, well, the act of parenting ends at the moment of birth. Right. Because the child is taken away at birth, raised by the machine. And yeah. then when it's old enough, it is placed in one of these pods. Right. And that's it. And, and they're given and they all have an expertise. Like, so, so that's why when it's set up, you think, oh, well, she's an Australian music scholar. Mm. But no. They're all, they're not, that's just because. Yeah. That's just what she was interested in. It turns out that she isn't raised up to do anything other than exist because the machine, if, if you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to give a lecture, you could just sit and listen to lectures. If you don't mm. want to have a thought or go on an airship, which you know we'll get to, you don't have to. It's, it, is a to it is a world that exists for you to exist. 
Yes. And whomever invented the machine created a world, like you said, that is built womb-like to support you. You're in a womb and then you're born and then you're in this other womb and that's it. You learn what the machine tells you to learn. There's only one book. It's mm-hmm. about the machine and it, we'll it's that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I, what I love is that you, you understand that she is willing to do, to be a lecturer, but you don't have to. No. So she is a scholar, but she isn't. It's also just like, like you said, oh, he also invented podcasts. Cause it's just like you started the 20th century gig podcast yeah. because it's something you're interested in. And so you wanted to share it with the world. You don't have a degree in 20th century geekdom, although you could, if that existed. <laughs> But you cre- you you made yourself an expert, and then you talk about it, and that's what she did. Mm. And there's others like she's she, you know you, yes. she, you say like she listens. You say she listens to other lectures. Like it says like you know there's another straight after she finishes, like she stops and then moves on to listening to one, and it's a, it's about the uh, talking about the ocean, talk about the sea. Yeah. They talk about the sea, and it's like and even she ponders and she's like oh they've, they, he says about how he's been outside. This guy's seen. <gasps> Yeah, and she's like, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Not terrifying, disgusting, which yeah, is a totally different emotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's an interesting one because that obviously doesn't come up yet. But is that revol- revulsion at it that you're like, oh, okay, she it, she must be a bit weird. Um, but then when she speaks to her son, and her son is sort of like, I think, you know, like you say, not an expert in anything, but he has traveled. Like he's been outside, he's gone mm-hmm. to the surface. And he says about seeing the stars and seeing the surface world. And she is like, yeah, she keeps saying to him, like, you know, you've got to stop talking. You've got to stop talking like this. Stop it. You're being bad because yeah. this is what makes people homeless. Right. And what's great is that he's so aware because, right, he's not an expert or anything. He's like, he's, he's almost like a modern day conspiracy theorist, right? I mean, mm. he's totally in this world, he's a conspiracy theorist, but because he doesn't do anything, he doesn't give lectures or anything. He's not necessarily an expert on anything, but he questions everything. And so there's this idea of like formal education, as opposed to do your own research. Again, mm-hmm, so lots mm-hmm. of those idiots online who are like, I do my own research. Oh, really? <laughs> tell me, tell me how your shirt was made. Yeah. Do you know how your shirt was made before you put it on? Did, did you make your own clothes out of something? Do you grow? Oh, so you didn't do your own research. That's just the bullshit that you say. But in this world, the idea being that you still have to question something. So her son has, and he's aware enough. Mm. This is again, shorthanded that he's like, we can't talk on for the machine. You have to come visit. She's like, but I can see you and I can hear you just tell me. And he's like, I can't because he doesn't trust the machine. Yeah. And it's that whole thing about, we all know that, the internet's always like we're talking about this something we said i'm sure next time we get on google or yahoo or whatever you go to something we've said will show up as an ad oh yeah i'm pretty sure like you know mr em forster uh omnibus will pop right it'll be it'll right it'll pop right up oh remains of the day did you want to see that movie it's delightful in it you're like well she is yeah maybe i do right but does she fight machines no she does not in that though (laughs) um but yeah, and I, I love this idea that, like you say, that, that there is this concern of being listened to, of being spied on. You know, Skynet is listening. Like that's another, you know, this whole right. thing. Yes. Um, and so he says, no, 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 you, you've got to come visit me. And she decides, she agrees to like again. She After could just say that. No, third yeah. time, he had to wear her down. Yeah, like it's not instant, like because she really doesn't want to leave. And then, like I said, then the next part of the story is this travel, this period of travel she has. She goes to the station. And she realizes she's going to have to sit with people. 
and she's in the really, open. The, yeah, and it's the anxiety that she is feeling is, is palpable in the story. And there's a great moment when sort of uh, they're in an airship, and the shutters are down because they don't want to see the world. She doesn't want to see the world, but she trips, and the stewardess or the attendant uh, reaches out to grab her, and she is furious. <laughs> Like, she's she loses her shit man yeah yeah but she couldn't get up on her own either no and which is going her, back to her that, muscles what, have atrophy yeah which she goes back to that wally up. exactly yeah yeah um but it's that thing of like she did the, the the um in her head Vishanti, she sort of says like you know well, she, she doesn't know these social interactions it's sort of like it's so uncouth and the stewardess is like, I'm so sorry, this is my day job. <laughs> like she's the only one that has an actual job. She's like, sorry, I forget that you but you know, she thinks she's the weird one. Like the, 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 the stewardess is like, sorry, I'm the I'm the weird one, I'm the exception, because I still use human interaction. <laughs> and I use words, I use yeah. real words for things because like she's like any good you know uh flight attendant or any like when you're flying the pilots like look out the window so mm. she's like a tour guide so she knows what the names of things are she's like oh look there's this country and there's yeah. these mountains things that words that nobody uses and she's like what are we talking about and she's like oh i forget you idiots down below don't know, don't know anything about the world but there's a there's a great thing here when this is when you start to get this like this this theme of ideas and I love that it's so anti um, everything, to be perfectly honest. You know, you hear poets saying sort of like, you know, I saw that sunrise or that sunset, or I saw the light glistening off some wet leaves and sort of like, it inspired me to write this thing. She sees, she glimpses the sun rising over uh, a mountain Mountains. range. Yeah. She's like, this doesn't give me any ideas and shuts it. <laughs> yeah oh yeah well because that's the thing she's like i hate being on airships because hmm. i can never think and kuno says that's the only time i can think and so then you also understand the commentary there about like who they are shorthand we don't have we don't need exposition we know nope. completely the different kinds of brains they have mm -hmm. different kinds of lives they're living and then it's reiterated there where she's like i don't want to look i don't even want it i don't want it yeah like anything she can do, because she says about how re like revolted and, and disturbed she is by this sort of all the potential to see. Like, because when she does get to to, to her son's uh, apartment, she's like, "I almost saw the world." <laughs> I know, and she's so mad. Yeah, I've come here, but you you made me travel. You made me see things. Um, and then when he and seeing things means I might have to think something or feel something, and I don't know how to do that. Yeah, she can't yeah. articulate those words. No. That's that's what she's saying to him is, I had to see things and yeah, seeing I can't things. Process it, right? My brain is that part of my brain. It's not about Australian music. I don't know anything about it. And I, I love this idea. Is that it doesn't give me ideas. But like you, you're yeah. right. It's like well, no, it just doesn't give you any ideas about what you are a specialist in. Like you can't right. process this additional information. Um, and uh, yeah, and then he sort of says like, well, you know. I, I, I want to just talk to you about this idea that, like, you know, we're very reliant on this machine, <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure that's safe. You know, what do you think? And she's like, you, you, you don't want to be talking like this, right? Because the the book of the machine tells you everything you need to know, and the book of the machine tells you everything's fine, and it, and it's not in the book of the machine, so I don't want to talk about it. Very yeah. clear. 
Well, and the, the, we'll get to the book and the machine because that starts yeah. to come up more. But the, yeah, the, that's when it sort of starts to come up. The, the, there is the, every apartment or every pod comes with this book and it tells you everything, like what each button does. It's literally a manual. It's all it is. Yeah. It's a manual, right? Push this button and this is what happens. Push this button for coffee. Push this button to take a shit. Push yeah. this button to do whatever, right? Yeah, it's literally a manual. But it's hardbound. It's hardbound. It's sort of like a proper thick book and it's got, it says, the, it says like the machine or something on the front. It's, you know, um, but the son's like, you know, no, look, I'm, I'm thinking I might go to the surface. And she's like, you know, oh, what well, you know, we need a permit. He's like, well, not really. Do, you know? yeah. Yeah. Do I? I think I found a way out. And she, she's like, I'm going. That's it. I'm done. You know, don't contact me. You're, you know, excommunicated. Her, her sort of instant response. I love the fact she's because it says like she's travelled from England, I think, because she mentions like Sussex and. Right, no, he's in Sussex. Oh, he's in Sussex, sorry. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. In, yeah she's in uh, she in Australia. Probably Australia, yeah. yeah it says like yeah, you know, traveled around the world. So you don't know how long she's been traveling for. But like you say, she's so yeah, she's like, I'm done and just leaves. Yeah. Um but then yeah. but, but he tells her his story though. Yeah. And it's weird, and it's like so weird because right, she's panicked, but then the more he tells, it's also like she couldn't experience it herself because like you said she flies over the earth and she's closing windows and she's panicked and i don't want to look and i don't want to be on an airship and this lady touched me and my book fell on the ground and oh my god what am i supposed to do and i had to see breathe other people's air and it's so weird and oh my god and then when he starts telling the story she's totally wrapped because it's passive she mm -hmm. to experience everything he experienced on on his own would have killed her. But to, but it, what I love about it is he essentially, how can I reach my mother? I'll give her a lecture. Yes. And that's what he does. And he hooks her. And it's so brilliant because he, he wants, I feel, he wants his mom to come because he wants to take her up. Mm. But, but once he realizes she can't go, he's like, well, I'm going to just give her the only thing I can give her is a lecture because that's the only way to get through it. So, so then the middle section, the mending apparatus, he gives his lecture of the surface and then she can't stop. And he's like, well, we're done now. Like he, he's like, okay, you can go. She's like, no, 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 no. Now I need to know because it was passive and it was safe. Mm. So it's really well done about this idea of secondhand living, again, in a shorthand way. The son's experienced it. She had the opportunity to experience the exact same mm. thing he did, and she rejected it. But now that he's telling her a story about it, she's all in because it's safe. Yes. It's, it's, it's another lecture. It's information yeah. that she's been fed. But his story is really... Um, it's, 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 again, it's, it's, it's that thing of a story into a story. Like, you know, he, yeah. he's telling it. But I like this idea of like he's got, he got up and he was like, yeah, there's got to be more to this. He recognizes that there's a constant whirring behind them. The humming, he calls it. The humming, the humming is yeah. inside of us, is what I think is how he says, or it's in our hearts or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because from the moment they're born, all they're like is there. Like it's just part of them. And it even speculates that, like, you know, if, if it were to be if it were to stop, it would be deafening. Like, you know, it's it's such a part of them. Um and but then his story says that you know he he eventually went out to the station uh, platform and he, he walked, walked he walked back and forth on the platform he said oh, it was exercise I felt out of breath and I got stronger and then he said that well the only place I could go was up to the next level and I walked on their platform but it was exactly the same and then he starts to sort of he's basically working his way to the surface and then he's like I, I love there's a great moment where he's like. It's, it's basically just a logical leap. It was like, someone had to build this place. 
<laughs> so good. The fact that nobody, I'm like, that tells you how far away you've gone. Like mm. I just every once in a while, I'll mention Tim Berners-Lee, sir, Tim Berners-Lee, I'm sorry. Um, your majesty, your highness, whatever you call knights. Um, he, I'll mention his name in my classes just to see. Most people have no idea who he is. Like I teach online. Mm. You should know, like I, there should be getting in. You should have to pay, you know, bow down to <laughs> Sir Tim Berners-Lee before you're allowed to enter the internet, pay him a nickel. But we don't, he gave it away for free because he's that guy. So most people, because he choose, he chose not to get the fame because that's not who he is. Mm. Well, like he invented the internet, right? I mean, the modern internet is Tim Berners-Lee and he gave it away um, and nobody knows. And so it's crazy that like, here we are using it and, and I teach on it. And when I ask people if they know who he is, not to like be a dick about it, but I just am curious, like the infrastructure upon which your entire education system is based it's created by one dude at one point in time. Do you know who that is? No idea. So, so it's, so it's, it's, and we're not that far. I mean, it's 2022. The internet's only 40 years old, mm. maximum. When Tim Berners-Lee came up with it, it was in the eighties. So it's not like, and so within, he's still alive and people <laughs> don't know who he is. <laughs> so of course, like, however, we don't have any sense of how long they've been under there, but it's crazy like for him to be like, huh, How'd the shit get here? The machine didn't build itself. <laughs> no, and I love it. And you, you were totally right that, yeah, I, I, I love it when it happens in films. Like someone will watch a film uh, and it'll be like, you know, they'll, um, an event will happen and then it's sort of like, you know, the sequel, they go, well, they've completely forgotten about so and so. And you go, that, that's unrealistic. And you go, ah, not really. That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, you know, in my lifetime, okay. Can you name the you know who was running Russia when the Berlin when, when the wall came down? No, of course you can't. Right, move on. Like you know that was a major major event. Can you tell me the exact year the Berlin Wall came down? No, of course you can't. Move on. Like yeah. life happens in information unless you are unless you are funny enough a specialist in it and that's what you want to give lectures about. You're not going to know. It's, yeah. know. It, it's not within your purview. Uh, and that's this is exactly what. Force was getting to is this idea of like that no, you just have your tunnel of life and it's a certain that's going like well i'm starting to ask things like where does this come from what happens and he finds a tunnel like he goes down the tunnel. So he goes down the tunnel that that, that bit was great like he's it's on the platform he's like it's dark down there let's go have a look <laughs> yeah and again that's very adventurous and it's yeah. very um you know like you mentioned jules verne and it's obviously jules verney because everything jules verne is is about like uh, what if why don't yeah. we go do that like the b you guys the bbc are putting out the um with david Tennant's doing a round the world Navy Age Days. yeah yeah i can't not wait i'm so excited mm. it's going to be on pbs over here i love jules verne because again mm. right he's always like what if and and you know the thing about this shit that he was right about just like this is kind of crazy and then you're yeah. also wondering is it wag the dog do people read this and that's why the internet exists or did they predict the future are they from the future you don't know mm. but right i love that that all it takes and this is what he's saying is intellectual curiosity yeah it one person saying huh that's that first huh can change everything and so and then you can't have to the and it took him a while too it's mm. not like kudos like huh it he had to like you said he had to walk and he even there's a whole thing in there about math where he's like well it took me this long to walk but it would have only taken me 38 seconds if i had taken a train but it took me hours and so he's doing math that he's mm. never done before 
He's understanding. He's rediscovering. Time. Yeah, re- yeah. That that's what there's a thing in there about him, sort of like recognizing his physical environment. Like he goes to the station and he talks about like the platform and the walls and the space, and he recognizes this whole thing. He's like, yeah, I've lived in this like this honeycomb thing, and I'm so used to that sort of thing where I can reach to a button in all directions. But now I'm like, I've got to walk to that other wall and I've got to do this. And it's like, it is, it's like this rediscovering of what it is to be human almost. It's like, oh, yeah. actually, I've got these capabilities. Um, but this story section, I like you say this adventure section, because this is the adventure section. Yeah, the middle section is the adventure. Yeah. And it sort of, it, it, made, it made me think of like those adventure stories, let's say Jules Verne or uh, Alan Quatermain or those sorts of sort of, you know, those sort of late Victorian, early 20th century uh, adventure stories. Because when he does find this tunnel, like it don't go well. <laughs> no, 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 um, it does not. It's not. Nor like, should it. And I appreciate mm. that. I appreciate that because he, it's taken him months to get mm-hmm. enough strength to walk and do this. And so now his next big adventure is to go into this tunnel. And you know what? It also shows if he'd done that on the first day, he would have died. Mm. He's built up his strength. That we've seen, but it definitely is a bit of a shit show because he yeah, doesn't it, understand how wind works. Yeah. He doesn't understand because so they're breathing this manufactured air. And again, where is it coming from? And so Forrester reminds you without saying it, you're breathing manufactured air. They call them vomitoriums where all the exhaust (laughs) goes out. So he gets kind of sucked up into the airflow, which, of course, if it's pushing all the expelled air from millions of underground people all up, that's going to be really strong. There's got to be a big Mm. fan. What do you think the humming is? And so without explaining it, like you just have to visualize it. And so, right, he doesn't think what exhaust is because he doesn't know what exhaust is. No, he just sees so, it as a tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And it blasts him out <laughs> onto the surface. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I would love to see it. It's like uh, the closest thing I can imagine it to is in the the movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, when they, exactly. when they, they float up with the fizzy lifting drink. It's like yeah. that. They're just like getting sucked up closer and closer to the top. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like him putting his head out, and then all of a sudden just being like, "Whoosh!" Off he yep. goes. Um, but like, it's, like, it's not even like gentle. Like it throws him out. Like he. he That's he, true. Yeah. He, he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I'm some distance away from this hole." Um, but did the, 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 you get then this little um, mini environment on the face of the on the face of the earth? Like what the surface is like. Like he's, it's and it's interesting. Like I don't know about the physics of it. I don't know how it worked, but like. There's these potholes because that's where the exhaust is coming out. These vomitoriums, like there's like a, a bubble of of atmosphere of air that he's able to breathe, but just over the rise, like yeah, it's not so good. <laughs> like, no, well, let's. Absolute... I've got I've got two questions about this part. So one, when mm. he's describing, I, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So when he's describing it to his mom, he he imagines the ghosts of the men who built it are talking yes. to him. But my question to you is, and again, I've read this three times in the week and a half since I've sent it to you because I can't stop thinking about it. Um, I'm like, no, no, those aren't, that's not in his head. Somebody's actually talking to him. There's a, on this most recent read, I was like, oh, there's like, there's a system of people who live underground who are working with the above ground and they see his curiosity. So they're whispering from behind the walls or in the Bluetooth speakers that surround them. And they're like, reach out and grab it. And he's just as like used to doing whatever the machine says to do. Mm. So he does it. There's this like hidden voice. So do you think it's his imagination hearing that? Like, or do you think there's actually somebody encouraging him to do it? I wasn't sure 
because it does give them an instruction, doesn't it? Yeah, like, reach for this particular handle. Yeah, and it's not, so it's almost like I, when I first read it, because I remember I did read that paragraph, I think, at least twice. Is it like a reaction? You know, like grab mm. it, grab it, like you do, like human instinct, impulse, that sort of like your internal subconscious going, you fucked, grab this, you know. <laughs> that could be, yeah. You know, or like you say, is it that there's a voice going, um, no, no, grab it, grab it. You can you can read it both ways, um, yeah, and and I think it, it, it throws doubt on it at the end mm -hmm. because it does say well, there are people out there, there are communities. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. So he gets up to the top and he can't breathe, and they've got these these um, rebreathers, like yeah. scuba devices, but they use them when they go up. So when you leave, because there's no law, they say this repeatedly. There's no law against leaving, not yet, but it's frowned upon. Yeah. You may become homeless. So we're not telling you you can't, but your house may not, your pod may be given to some other punk ass kid when you get back. So the that's central, just the threat. central committee. Is it central committee? Central committee, yeah. The, cent the central committee, the, uh, yeah. yeah. May the not, mending. They may might not frown on that. It. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I love though is so he gets up and he's got this breathing apparatus. And as you say, he gets sucked up and it gets blown off his face and he's mm. at the top. But then he's like, the air is so much heavier up here. But he's just breathing air. Mm. Like, you know what it's like when you're on an airplane or you're somewhere. And I can't imagine what it was like for people who, who are on submarines. I don't know mm. how that is for them. But I, I can imagine as soon as they're off the submarine, breathing must be quite different. People who go from space to come down, um, the way that they have to be in containment as their lungs readjust to breathing in the atmosphere mm. and when people who are at the below this you know the people who cut scuba divers should come up too fast they yeah, get, the get bends. The bends yeah so i feel like again that was it it's like he's been below surface breathing this recycled air so he gets up there and he's just breathing regular air and his the lungs don't know how to handle it it seems heavy it's it's so it's too much for him because it's just got regular air shit and well, there's yeah, probably so yeah, dust. Got, I was going to say, it's got other particles and all this other stuff. It's not purified. It's not been mm -hmm. filtered. And so, yeah, he's that was my take. He was like, oh, the atmosphere yeah. is heavy. I was like, no, I think the atmosphere is normal. And you just not can't for process you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because could you imagine? I mean, if you never, I mean, even just from your house to outside, I mean, you know, like you live in England. So it gets, you guys probably have years or months where you don't open the windows because it's fucking cold. And then when spring comes, there's like that moment of that first day you can like open the windows and get a breeze. You're like, oh my God, yeah. I'm still, my house was fine. I was breathing fine. But man, it's so much nicer. Oh yeah, just, you get the- Just you get from the, your house. You open and the front course, windows and the back windows, yeah. you get the, fl the flow through. Yeah, you do it yeah. now. We open the back door and you're just like, nah, screw that's cold and shut it again. <laughs> I'll come out in April. <laughs> right. But it's like, so imagine that. That's just your house. Imagine mm. never leaving your house. But this is like, the, you know, we don't know how far down, miles underground, you know, and and so just the pressure. And mm. then, you know, he's also really pale. He's obviously really pale. Yeah. You know, it's, I just love that. And the way that he describes it is, and I love that you started by saying it's a wound because I think what you're describing, the way that Kuno grows and like, he's like walking, he's like a toddler. First, he's yeah. a baby, and now he's a toddler, and now he's like a teenager who's like, fuck, I'm going to jump in this hole, because that's what a dumb teenage boy does. Even though he's 40, he's he's like only progressing to being like 12. It's an adolescence, stage. isn't it? Like, yeah, it's it is. I'm finding what my body can do, and now I'm going to really push the limits of it. Um, uh, I, but I like the fact that this is interesting. So 
However, he does get close to the hole again. He does, yeah. And he is attacked by a me- the mending mechanism, which is a worm or a yeah. snake, depending on how yeah. you sort of want to describe it. Now, this is what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Is that attack? Is it or is it an attack? Or is it he is miscategorized as um, something that he's fixing? I think it's the second. Mm. He's. I, I think. I don't think it's an attack. I think because the the worm is mindless. It doesn't. Mm. It recognizes. He's now. He's different because let's think about it. He's. He's one of the few people other than this the airship lady who walks. Yeah. Who has been exposed to outside air now. Mm-hmm. So he's got like you mentioned the particles are in his lungs. They're on his body. There's dirt on him. He's sweaty. Mm. All these things nobody else is. So to me, the mending apparatus sees him as a foreign particle that needs cleaning. So they they see him, they recognize him probably as human, but it's like, well, because it wraps around his leg and it starts working its way up because yes. it's cleaning him off, but he mm. sees it as attack. But it's just like, we can't let you bring the funk back in. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a white blood cell. It's, it's, it's protecting the That's body. That's it. Exactly. That's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was interesting because I was like, because there was a part of my brain that was like, is the machine now trying to get him? Mm. Um, is, is he it now? It could like a, have been. Yeah, I like, didn't think of it that way, but it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is he is he a potential disruptive element? And, you know, instead of making him homeless, well, let's just, you know, not let him back in. Um, But yeah, but he does. He makes it back. And obviously, he, he tells his story and, and sort of. Um, it, but it, it's leading to more questions. Like you know, he's saying like that's more like you know, I, you know he did he he heard he hears the word, the hum different, and he starts yeah. to talk. He starts to talk about. Um, he starts to talk about the book, mm. and referencing the the book of the machine, and this is where sort of like it gets to because. In the, in, in the third part, and we'll get to the third part in a minute, when it really gets to it, is this idea of the homeless. Um, and why I think it's called the homeless. Um, but it gets to this point where he's sort of saying, like, well, you know, you, you, he, she, she carries it, doesn't she? She keeps this copy of the book. And he's like... Even though there's one everywhere you go, she yeah, carries it. It's like a Gideon's yeah. Bible. It always appears in a bloody room in a hotel, but she carries it. Always there. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and so, but he starts questioning, well, why have you got it? So it's bloody manual. Like, what is the point? And she's like, well, it's the book in the machine. It's, it, it becomes like this reverent relationship she has with this book. And at one point, I think after her return home, um, I can't remember before she leaves or after she goes back, she has a secret uh, ritual that she carries out before she goes to bed. And it's like this thing, she's like, although she, no one else can see her, like she still wants to keep this a secret. She knows it's almost wrong, but she kisses the book before she goes to bed. Like you know, she places a very sort of reverent kiss on the cover and places it down. And this is where sort of it starts to get really dark in this third section. But it does. But there's. But right before that is, he says because she's right. She's telling her him about the book and how she feels about the book, and he's like, "What the fuck." Mm. And he's like, it's not like it's God because he now that he's seen the stars, he's always yes. remember he names constellations too. Yes, but oh, oh that was what I was gonna, sorry, I was gonna say that. Yeah, he basically identifies Orion's belt, and it, Orion, he does. It's crazy. And, and he he says hey, he looks like a guy with a sword. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, you're crazy. 
Yeah. Which is funny because it depends on what, where your brain is. So that means mm. his brain is working. He's being creative because, you know, if you see Orion's belt, you're like, whatever, it just looks like three stars. But he's like, no, no, do you see this? It's such a great description. And it's one of my, I've said this before, but one of my favorite writing teachers always said, make the familiar unfamiliar. Mm. So he never says Orion's belt because that word is lost to time. But like you knew what it was. I knew what it was immediately. Like, holy shit, that's what he's seeing. So he's seen the stars. And so by seeing the stars, he believes in God now. Yeah. And they know the term God, but it's like, that's silly. And so she's like, God, whatever, you don't believe in that. But she, but she's kissing the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's, it, so it's an interesting switch there. It, it's an interesting one because you said that, you know, the, the, the word God is, it's not fragile because religion has been made illegal. Like it's been removed. Like there is and no, you religion. just don't need it. Yeah. Because the machine provides everything. There is no God. There is no religion. There's no disparity. There is, there's nothing. They're all atheists for that point of view. But they're not atheists in the sense of like, because atheists sort of, sort of, you know, I don't want to sort of say that they're atheists in the sense of like, you know, actively not believing in God. It's just not part of their life. It's, right, like, they don't, it's said, not a term they have. No, right. it's just, as you said, lost to history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's reintroducing it. However, that sort of scratching away at the surface that that does, all of a sudden you realise that, well, no, religion hasn't gone away it's just it's just changed which it always does and i Mm. think there's two interesting things in this part because this is the switch from the mending apparatus to the homeless so Mm. they have this conversation so before they make the switch though this conversation is happening air quotes in private the whole reason kona needs her to come kuno sorry needs her to come is because he doesn't want the app the machine to listen yeah this so this conversation is technically in private but as soon as it ends everything starts to change, right? Mm. Oh, we're, we're not going to allow the breathing apparatuses anymore. You're not going to get those anymore. We don't need them because there's no reason to go up there. The world's fucked. You're not going to go up. So we're not even going to allow, because if you have one of those masks, you might wander up the tunnel. But without it, now you can't go because you're afraid, even though we know as readers, you could breathe up there, but they, the people down below are scared. So like things start to change. And this is when, after that private conversation between seemingly two yeah. unimportant people, that's when the word religion starts to happen again. It starts to people, seep back in. And with the, machine, the book. Yeah. yeah with the and book you hear the people machine. like doing things like they'll open the book at random to read some of the manual text and take that as guidance. There's people that continue to... That's like, like the say, I Ching. Yeah, yeah, the I Ching, yeah, exactly. And there's people, like you said, it's, it treats the book more reverently and all this other stuff. And, and this is where the, we'll get to the end, actually. I've got some questions around this. But that's sure. sort of like... That to me felt like an active thing. The removal of the, 100%. the, the, the respirators. Like they, at first, they sort of like it says, there's a spread of in essays, people start, no, sorry, in the lectures, people start talking more about how, you know, they're not needed. And then all of a sudden, the center, so it gets raised with the central committee. So then the central committee are like, yeah, you're right. Now we're going to make them illegal. We don't need them. We're going to stop distributing them. There's no, you can't get permits to go outside anymore, you know. And that's when it gets into this idea of, well, we'll get into the idea of ideas about ideas because they're like, well, you don't need to talk, see the sea because this guy's yeah. given a lecture about the sea. So just oh my God. To lecture to talk Outrageous. about that lecture. But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, okay. but then they, I've then, got so many words. Yeah, because then it starts to, to <laughs> remove other things until they are right? literally just locked in. Um, but, that, but then, which way? We'll get to the failures because then things start to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of gets to... Fully enough, they're almost like the reverse of what I wrote for the Judge Dread book. This idea of the sort of the shifting morality line, this idea of like 
things shift and then you adapt to them and you go oh, that's the norm now and then they shift again and you go okay well that's the norm oh, and you okay. keep making yeah. excuses for things um but in reverse like you know that's where the things still start breaking down we'll get to that in a minute let's talk about this 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 notion of ideas oh my god okay i'm ready just okay, enraged so, reading it again today yeah so to put it in frame so we've talked about the lectures this these lectures that she gives about australia we've heard ones about the sea there's some other ones that get given and um the idea is that everyone gives lectures or they don't it's up to them but it's all about ideas it's this is what they keep referring to this thing of like ideas is looking at other people's ideas and having ideas about their ideas and so what the, what the machine is doing is sort of removing your access to the original intent or the original source um and so you what you you end up commenting on somebody else's opinions it becomes this idea of regurgitated opinions we'll talk about social media in a minute but oh yeah there's there's a fantastic i'll let you explain actually but there's a fantastic example given of the french revolution um okay i'm ready okay Okay, so the idea is essentially there's this guy who says, look, you don't need a lecture about the French Revolution anymore. And I'm not going to remember all the names because he says, because I'll just, Scott had 10 years ago, 10 lectures ago, Scott, who studied the French Revolution, who touched the books of the French Revolution, Scott gave a lecture on the French Revolution. And then Dave listened to Scott's French Revolution lecture and he commented on Scott's without he didn't read the original text. He just read Scott's text. So then the next person, the next person, and now me, 10, 10 in, I can just kind of give you a sense of what the French Revolution is. And as we move further and further away from it, we keep adding how the machine actually created the French Revolution. So now mm. when you listen to the last one, it's the French Revolution through the prism of the machine. And so now history says the machine caused the French Revolution, not people. And so we're just going to keep, and he says it out loud. He's saying to the person, I'm going to punch you in the face now. And they're like, cool, and stand there and get punched in the face. He's saying to them, this version of what the French Revolution is, is about the machine. And that's the best. You don't, whatever Scott said, that's nonsense. Even though Scott was the scholar and Scott touched the books that were written from firsthand experiences. The machine wasn't in those books. And because the machine is all powerful and the machine is God, we have to say the French Revolution couldn't have happened without the machine. So what we're doing is we're putting this new context on it of how maybe at the time the French Revolution, people involved didn't know the machine was there, but we now know it was all part of the machine's plan. And essentially, which this term comes up way later, I actually think it was Asimov of all people who invented it, intelligent design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what yeah. he's just that's mm. what he's just created intelligent design saying even though the machine wasn't there the machine made it happen yeah the machine had to have the french revolution happen so we could get to the machine so it must have been all part of the design you know, and yeah. it is fucking outrageous how everybody will just and it's it and i understand framing because i teach literary theory so i love that how like you can go all right i'm gonna watch Buffy, and I'm going to apply a queer theory lens. So I'm only going to look mm-hmm. through it through queer theory. I'm not going to think about these other things. Everything is, even though you know they weren't writing it that way, I'm going to apply that to it. But you're also aware that that's what you're doing. Then you take the lens off and you can go, now I'm going to look at it through a feminist lens. Now I'm going to look yeah. at it through a Marxist lens. So 
you're aware that you're doing it and then you remove the lens and say, now, how, do, do, how does doing that factor into the original text? Mm. Or what this is saying is, no, everything is through the machine lens. Those original texts doesn't matter. But people do that all the time. They, they tell you what something means and religious people do it the most. They're like, well, that was God's will. You're like, which God? They're like, my God. You're like yeah. the Christian the God that's God. been around for yeah. a few thousand years. What yeah. about the people who existed before that? Man. Well, there was bananas. It is. It's, it, it's, it's again. It's the way it's written is so. I'm going to say so infuriating, but it's not yeah. not the way it's written. What is written, and as you're reading it, like you are, you I, I, I get angry. You're just like me too. This is, is lunacy. I believe you said in the Discord you were incredibly disturbed. Yeah, I was because you sort of read this and it starts to sort of break down and because it. You can see it happening, and then you you get this example. Because the other thing I liked, I, I found fascinating, was this idea. As you say you're ten deep. Mm-hmm. Ten that's the point, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're ten deep. You know, ten essays, uh, lectures deep. But then what's going to happen is, let's say, not only are you sort of like introducing the machine into the context of the, of the lens of the first one of the of the source. But that, that's only a part of it because what they're actually saying is, yeah, but I'm not going to comment on that first thing. I'm only going to comment ever on, again. Yeah, I'm only ever going to comment on like eight, nine, and I'm going to be 10. And that's it. There will not be an 11 either. Yeah. And that's That's what they're saying is they're saying we've reached, now that we've reached the point to once the machine has been introduced into whichever lecture it is, French Revolution or Pangea or Australian Mm. string quartets, once the machine is entered into that, we're not going to discuss it further. Yeah, you're just going to hear the same lecture over and over. It'll be just like you'll you'll only get to hear that version of the song ever again. Now, what it is it, it's, it's amazing this is all coming in because what I want to sort of we'll get to the breakdowns in a minute. But one of the things that this sort of got you know started to sort of really peel away and how sort of prescient this story felt for today. Like firstly, you and I, like you say, we're, we're you know you're in uh, you know you're in America, I'm in the UK. We are talking across Zoom. This is a lecture for all intents and purposes. Yeah, we are exactly. spreading out into yeah. the world. I will, and then you and I, we, you, let's be clear, you heard a lecture. I did. Inspired, that inspired an idea. I heard a lecture on American radio that originated in your country. Yeah. So we are doing this, you know, however, I say, luckily, <laughs> we have gone back to the source material. We're not right, just, we're not just, t- I didn't just say, listen to this lecture about no, it. I said, let's, no. I didn't. I didn't go back and listen to the lecture yet because once you said, let's do the show, I'm like, okay. So I was half asleep at the time. So I'm like, mm. now once we do it, then I'm going to go listen because I didn't yeah. want to, again, regurgitate too much. I'm pretty sure he mentioned Wally at one point. Mm. So I'm sure that's why I brought it up. We would have thought it anyway. Yeah. So, but now I didn't want to be too influenced by him. So, right. So I didn't because yeah. I wanted source material. Absolutely. Well, yeah. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking like podcasts, I'm thinking of all the stuff that we do. But one of the things that sort of came up, especially about this lecture and this idea the idea of the cocoon, the idea of the sort of the um, the uh, honeycomb environment, this little bubble, and she listens to so you know, she listens to her. All she listens to is her Australian quartet music. That's like that's her thing. Yeah. Doesn't want to give time of day to anything else. Like it's not important to her. And so I started to think about these bubbles that we've created to ourselves, and this idea of the social media. And you you say about Christianity or religion or whatever, like you know, you see it through the the lens. However. You know, I would say that, and I think we all do it. I would say I'm as guilty as any in this modern world. But there's a political lens as well. Like you know, you 100%. can go right. I, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I exist. I only want to listen to Fox News. That's Oof. that's that's my you know thing. Or I only want to listen to 
MSNBC or BBC or whatever the news is that you want to listen to. Or, I, you know, you and I are a lot more, I think we're quite liberal and sort of left-leaning. Very much, right? yeah. Right? So we're only going to look in that. So, you know, one of the things is um, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, whatever these things is, it knows your preferences because you're the one that's hearting these and liking these and watching these and reading these essays or whatever. So it's going to go, well, if you read that, you're going to like this. And all of a sudden, your you, that lens on the world becomes forced upon you. The machine, the internet, is just saying to you, here's your lens. Here's more 100%. things that feed into your lens. Yeah. And so the machine is not going, it's saying like, you know, let's, for example, let's take a, a, a more pressing example. The riots, which is very pressing. We are recording this on the 5th the of The day January. before. Ugh. So yeah. yeah, so you know, tomorrow is the anniversary of it, and so, <laughs> as a, so you know, on the sixth of January last year, twenty twenty one, there were riots in in Washington D.C. There was invasion of the of the Capitol building. Now there is a historical context for that. There is fact, you know, there are people being prosecuted. They broke into the building. They did whatever behaviour. Video of it. There's little. Well, there was social media. People took photos of the freaking idiots of themselves yeah, committing yeah, yeah. felonies. Insane. I will never be caught. Selfie. Um, like this thing happened, right? It happened. There is a physical, there is a historical physical event that happened. People into that building, right? I don't know any of them, I'm not going to name them, doesn't matter. But in a, within a year, within 12 months, we have had, you know, um, false, it's a false flag event. It was the FBI. It was uh, Antifa. It was BLM. It was the right. It was whoever. This lens got put on all these things, and everybody sits there and go, "Well, no, 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 you're wrong." There's a conspiracy, especially the conspiracy nuts that will go like, "No, no, no." QAnon says this and this, and they're the worst. They're the, the dedicated ones. But this historic within twelve months, we said about sort of like forgetting things. But within twelve months, this one event has become the center of a whole host of conspiracies, where you could actually ask ten different people and get ten different answers as to not just why it happened, but what actually happened on that day. What actually happened? Yeah, because there's members of Congress who were there who were cowering, rightfully so. Not, I'm not calling them cowards, but they were cowering yeah. for fear for their life. Who now have come out and said. Well, they were just uh, tourists who were just taking a tour of the cap. Like, literally, I've yeah. heard members of Congress like, you motherfucker, what kind yeah. of tour are you on? I mean, I live in Florida, so maybe, but maybe that's a tour. Maybe it's the yeah. drunken riot tour. But for the most part, having been on tours in Washington, D.C., or tours at museums or tours anywhere, generally... You don't have to smash windows to get into the tour. There's a tour guide mm. and his name is Skip and he's going to point at interesting yeah. things and show you where the bathrooms are and make sure you get snacks along the way. You don't have to shit on the desks during, <laughs> I mean, I've never had to during a tour, maybe different, but you're right. But that, but you say it enough. And now as things come out, you are learning that this was the plan all along. Mm. Like Steve Bannon's plan was just make it ugly enough and then get it on the news enough and so that you could get, get your right-wing people to repeat your bullshit enough. And all you have to do is say it for a month, I think, was what his, his, mm. his calculation was. If you can get it every day for a month on the same outlet, at the end of that month, every, mo most of the people who are watching will believe it. Yeah. And, th and this so is what 30 it is. days is all he gave. Yeah. 
yeah, 30 days. We're saying like 12 months. And yeah. you know, it doesn't even take that. But this idea of this lens, this bubble, and that's what I thought about this cocoon. Like, you know, when you're in this little fire, like, yeah, all she cares about is um, this Australian music. Now, there will be one that just cares about the ocean or whatever. But then you put everything through that lens. You know, everything you, every conversation you're going to have is going to be like, I understand what you're talking about, bananas, but let's talk about bananas from the point of view of Australian folk music. You know, like, right. it just, <laughs> I don't see how the two relate, but she will try and do that because that's the her point of view. Um, and I often think about that when I have conversations. It is in my head that I'm like, yeah, I'm this sort of like retro geeky nerd. Like I, I can't be like you know that that I actively try not to fall into that trap where I'm like, I see what you're saying, but if you think about it from you know this 1970s or yeah. approach to cinema, then you're like you know you slap your wrist and you go, no, it's not, it's not relevant. Um, but it's so easy to do because sure. let's let's call it what it is. The machine, the internet is feeding you this thing that keeps validating the algorithm. you. The algorithm is the, the algorithm, machine, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it keeps feeding your opinion. You're right. You are right. It's there whispering in your ear. Grab the handle. You're right. This is the thing yeah. to do. Um, so well said. And so I, I just find it fascinating watching this. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm looking down. I'm look, I'm sort of like you know looking at Bishanti or like going, you're so wrong. But then I'm like, no, because it would I be any better? Well, well, this is the question then because she doesn't pay any attention to what Kuno says. She thinks he's a nutter. He moves like six doors down from her, and she doesn't <laughs> see him after this. After his big reveal, she leaves. He gets moved from England mm. to Australia to be near his mother to you know to be watched better is what your assumption but she never sees him deliberately until the very very end and then but she isn't paying any attention to anything until and this is where it comes to you until her australian folk throat singing music whatever starts to break yeah it's it doesn't sound right anymore and so she files a all the other things that have been going wrong people are dying in the tunnel and the air is weird and there's the, the hum sounds different all of this is happening. She is completely doesn't care. No, what so and so's lecture on the seas is broken. I don't care. I don't listen to that. Whatever. But once her music breaks, once it's about her, she's like, file a complaint. Well, because you didn't give a fuck about anybody else. So for you, it's like if all of a sudden they're like, well, sorry, the real Ghostbusters. Every copy has been burned. You can never watch it again. You'd be like, wait. Yeah. No well, internet. You can't yeah. take the real ghost. No, because you aren't that person. But that's the idea of no, saying. But yeah, yeah. Because you'd be mad if like the Australian throat singing music was taken down. You're like, no, no, don't take that down. Somebody likes. That. I don't like that, but somebody likes that. And so you, because you're a good human being who yeah. is intellectual curious. That's the point of our of your show and what we do is you always want somebody on to have a conversation with. That's why you and Julian, I love you guys talking because you don't always agree and you're like, hmm. oh. And you're coming at it from totally different perspectives. You know, guy's got a PhD in French. There's things he says I don't even understand what he's saying. And then he'll say, then you'll say, blah, 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 like that, 1970s. And he's like, holy shit, didn't see it coming. Because he recognizes you are two human beings different views. who are willing to be wrong mm. and willing to have a conversation. And you're intellectually curious. And But she's not until you took away my thing. Oh, maybe yeah. the machine is, maybe he was right only because it affects me. But if, if the last thing to go was the Australian music, she would, she would never know. Yeah. I, I love the, the, the catalog of things that go wrong. though. Oh my God. 
because it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's this idea again. It's this idea. It, firstly, like Brazil popped into my head. This idea yeah. of the oh, sort of the this ridic- is Terry Gilliam's <laughs> wet dream. He read this too, right? Oh yeah, totally. Like Brazil is this like this idea of sort of like the the pointless bureaucracy. Um, we're going to get to one point, but the, the, what this all centers around is is the pointless bureaucracy and this thing around the central committee. Does Love the it. central does the central committee? Because I think I even think there was a central committee in Brazil. I can't remember now. One hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is the is the central committee human or is the central that's committee? That's the question. That's just the, the that's machine. The, that's the ending question, right? Mm. Because you have to make the decision. Because what with what happens at the end, it leads me to believe that it is. Yeah. And and I know it's easier to say, well, no, no, it's got to be. AI, because an AI would care about humans and just let everybody die. But I don't believe it is. I mean, you could argue the AI was created and, and this isn't how. This, I don't think, I personally don't think the AI is sentient. I think mm. what happened is there's a children's book series called the um, oh, City of Ember series. Oh, Have you yeah, ever read yeah, those? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the City of Ember series, the mayor is in charge and the mayor does what happens because that's what he was told what to do. That's what mm. the mayor before me did, who was my dad, Bill Murray plays him in the mm-hmm. film version. And, but in the back of the mayor's closet, the original mayor left notes thinking the next mayors would be intellectual curious enough to read the notes I left you that said at this time, do this. And at this time, do this. They set it all up because they were thinking they were men building machines. But in that 12 mm. generations in, they don't know because they just fall back on antiquity and they're like, this is how we've always done it. You're like, yeah, but we're dying. We can't do it this way. So to me, the AI isn't sentient. The, the, the machine is run by humans. And because the humans don't know how to do anything, people who have power are always willing to let people who aren't powered die. Yeah. So that's why I think there's humans. Okay, good. I agree. What are your was, thoughts? No, I agree. No, I did. T- I was tempted by this idea of this sort of like malevolent, AI, you know, Skynet. Sure. It's there or, if you want it. Yeah, or the Matrix. But all I kept thinking was like, but it's not killing them off in a malicious way. It's breaking. Like the machine right. is literally breaking. But I love that you, you mentioned one of the things. There's a couple of things there. There's a great note in this where it says about exactly what you say. Like, well, the people that fix things only could fix specific bits. They, they've forgotten about the whole. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when the whole thing's break, they're like, oh, I don't. I don't I don't know that bit. That's not my. Can't fix it. That, that's not my, yeah. my. You know, my union. I don't. That I don't do lectures about that thing. Yes, exactly. Um, but I also like to say that, that this idea of the bureaucracy. And there's a great. There's a great thing as the way it escalates. Like you know, there's a funny smell, or the right. music stops, or the food. And then they, but they just right. get used to it. They get used to it, and they're like, oh well, because what happens is, and this is where it sounds incredibly British, and this is what made me chuckle. They raise a complaint. To the to the to the fixing thing, and they'll be like, okay, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's in a backlog with the central committee. Okay, well, I've raised the complaint; they're aware of it. I'll just wait for them to fix it. Yep, and nothing happens. But because then, then they get used to it, and you say about her music, her music starts to break, and after a certain amount of time, she's like, oh, actually, it might sound better this way. Insane. Uh, yeah. Her whole life, she's she's in her 50s, 60s. Yeah. All she's ever cared about is this, and she's willing to in this short amount of time. Be like, it's fine. Yeah. No, it isn't. What are yeah. you saying? No, it's not. You can't. And, and you said about the, you know, you said about the machine raising things up. There's a great because it obviously makes a point of that at the beginning. And at the end, mm. she drops something and it doesn't work. And she sort of just looks at it and she's like, oh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> like, 
Because, right, they just leave shit on, and because the ground quit lifting it up to her. Yeah. Because the ground used to, when you drop things, it picked it, and then that doesn't work anymore. You're like, oh, I guess that's going to stay. That's very childish. You have children. You have a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's older now, but you remember the time oh, when God. she would just yeah, drop yeah, yeah. shit and walk away. Yeah. You're like, fucking pick that up. What are you doing? You, yeah. you see it. You're stepping over the thing you dropped. <laughs> yeah. Fucking pick it up. Because when you're three, your brain is like, I'm just going to, if I don't, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. That's my worldview. And that's how she is. Even though she's 60 years old, she's like, well, somebody yeah, else. Is yeah. And the same, the beds don't work. And it's like I say, that's when the, when the beds right? don't work. That's when the beds start. don't work. They're like the, because the beds come out of the wall at night. And it's all yeah, very uh, fifth element. The yeah, way the apartments move around, right? Yeah, and so there's that. I love that they're like the beds not working, so they're like, yeah, it's only so far. Like she starts sleeping in her chair because that's the right. alternative. That's all she has. Yeah, uh, and so there's all these little moments, but then it gets the ridiculous sort of like uh, circular bureaucracy of it's so broken. Good. So raise it to the mending, like the mending uh, mechanism, or the mending mechanism thing that's broken. Okay, well, who do we escalate that to? The central committee. So raise it to the central committee. Okay, well, you see, this is broken, so we're going to have to go back to the mending mechanism. Well, the mending mechanism is broken. Who do you raise that to? The central committee. And it just goes round and round until, as you say, it gets to the point of people are dying. People, because the air stops working and they are... And this is my favourite part. I mean, it's awful what happens, but Mm. here's the thing. They can, they know how to open their doors. They've just forgotten. Mm-hmm. We know that she knows how to open her door because we've seen her leave. Yeah. So she's aware of how to leave. She, her son has told her this story about air. You don't need the breathing apparatus. He's told her everything. And she sits there and fucking dies. Well, she opens the door, doesn't she? She actually does yeah. open the door, sees it, and she's like, yeah, it's, no, it's horrible out there. Closes it and sits there and dies. Yeah. And, and it, it, she does come out at the very end. At the very yeah. end, she and Kuno touch they touch one last time before they die and they bleed mm. out. Um, and then he's, he's though, even in death feels hopeful, but it's crazy that he didn't escape either. And so off page, he's got, he's been sent to room 101, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Shit's bad for him. Yeah. He's, you know, <laughs> I, I want to know what, like you say, because you've met him and then you don't, you, know, you don't see him again until the very end. Yeah. And like, there's a period of time when I'm like, what happened there? Like, I want to know yeah. his story of what was happening there. Um, but I love the fact that it leaves it on that note and you're just like, oh, yeah. wow, okay. Um, but this story is basically spent sort of like, it's not very long, it's like 25 pages, 30 pages. Yeah. Like basically, a two-thirds of it is just giving you an absolute kick in. <laughs> oh, like, I know, it's brutal. Uh, and but it's I, good, it's worth it. It was worth oh, the yeah. kick. We um, need this kick. I think oh. your, your connection to the, to, to the thing that happened tomorrow, to the year to the, mm. the insurrection is spot on. And it's not just that, it's everything. And I understand we're busy and I understand we have interests. And I understand I, unlike our good friend, Julian, I'm never gonna speak fluent French because I'm 48, I, yeah. I can't get there, yeah. right? But it doesn't mean that I'm not gonna watch a movie that's in French and read the subtitles. Mm. You guys just did a Spanish movie and you weren't like, I'm reading, watching a movie. You're like, all right, I'm gonna, yeah. and yeah. you even said in your show, you're like, I kind of think I like that one a little bit better for a lot of reasons, you know? And, you know, so it's like, you're still curious enough. You're like, I don't speak that, but I'm still gonna watch it. You know, like when Parasite won Best Picture, people were like, what the hell? Koreans make movies? You're like, yeah, it's fucking good. You should yeah, watch you it. Check, you check out The Raid. It's check, awesome. Check that shit out. Yeah, The Raid <laughs> is. Right, exactly. So I think you, 
we're those kinds of people who are curious enough and willing to get out. And I think what the reason this story gives us such a kicking, uncomfortable was the word you used in our mm. Discord. And it's supposed to make you uncomfortable because Forrester wants you yeah. to feel ugly. And then when you're done reading this, think about it, read it a few more times and then go, I got to go do something. And it can be something small. This is a call to action story. It's like, just yes. learn one new thing. Learn something this month. I'm going to learn about whatever. And then it, not, not become an expert, just curious. And then next month, oh, I read this book about butterflies. And so now I'm interested in moss. And now I'm interested in bees. And it's interesting, of course, bees, because they're worker bees, they're drones, mm -hmm. right? I and mean, that's clear right from the beginning. But like, whatever, just be curious. I mean, when you think about the best writers, they write about, they, EM4, look at, look, look at this guy. Yeah. He wrote this story and Remains of the Day. Same guy. That means he was intellectually curious enough to ask questions and not just get stuck in, I'm the guy who writes period dramas. I mean, he didn't know it was period at the time. Yeah. I'm the guy who writes dramas. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, again, like you say, one of the things I find is like with some of these stories, especially short stories, and, and there are good ones, there are bad ones, and there are sort of mediocre ones, as, as with everything. Of course. But one, of the, one of the ones I find, you know, um, that can be very sort of like ends of the spectrum is ones where writers have done it as a writing exercise. They've gone, yeah, here's a concept and I'm going to challenge myself. Like, you know, it's like you say, um, you know, M. Forrester doing this compared to his, his sort of like, you know, um, dramas, you know, um, and you go, okay, that's fine. But this isn't a, a writing exercise. You know, this isn't him just going, I'm going to challenge myself to write a science fiction story or a horror story or whatever. Like, I'm going to do he he clearly had his in, an intent like he had you know you might bees he had a bee in his bonnet about something when he For was sure. writing this yeah like something was getting in, in you know and I, I looked at like what was going on in 1909 and you'd had like you know you had the first russian revolution which had been crushed by this point in england you had started to get the sort of those you know it's, it's still only it's still five years away but there was discontent between the British and, and, and uh, Europe in Europe, which obviously eventually led to the sort of Versal War. There's all these little bits and pieces that you're looking at and going like, yeah, like, you know, this, this is telling me a lot. But we're applying this to, we're applying this to a modern lens. We have literally just done it, you know, we've applied this to yeah. a modern lens. And one of the things I said about this making me feel uncomfortable, I will stick with the modern lens before I give it a historical context, but like in our country at the moment, in Britain, we have got possibly one of the most evil Home Secretaries at the moment, Priti Patel, and she's trying to push through a bill um, called the Policing Bill uh, or something else. But basically, it will stop you. If, you. if you are arrested during a protest that the government deems to be disruptive or against certain things that they get to determine and deem, you can be not only arrested, but then you will be put on a register. And if you are caught doing any kind of uh, uh, protesting activity again in the future, you will do time in prison. Like they are literally criminalizing protesting at the moment in this country. Now that's completely undemocratic and it's horrendous that this is happening. But it's been hidden under Brexit and all this other stuff. And so I was I was reading this and being like this, you know, this idea of sort of going like yeah, and Brexit's another good example, or you know, uh, the COVID regulations and the idiots that do stuff. This thing of you go, all right, yeah, it's not good, but it's the it's the new normal. I'm gonna survive in this new normal. And mm -hmm. if they did get this bill through and they do all this stuff, there will be a time where everyone's like, this is terrible and it's awful. And then within six, seven months, it's like, why well, is the new normal? So let's move on. 
Yeah, we did. I mean, we both of our, we, I mean, we had Trump for president. You have Boris for your prime yeah. minister. I mean, the things that, like in my state, in Florida, because you guys don't have governors the way that we do. Like no. your counties don't have, like, so our my state governor, you mentioned protesting last year, two years ago, um, got a law passed where this is true. So first of all, now a mob is considered three or more people. <laughs> and if you're in a car and you feel threatened by a mob, you can hit them with your car legally to protect yourself. You just drive over him. It's like the pedestrian so what right he of way, did, Yeah, the pedestrian yeah. right-of-way law in Los Angeles, which obviously, you know. Yeah, but so what he essentially said, my governor, is that if you're driving along and you see a protest and you feel that they're doing something you don't like, you can just say, I was threatened, so I turned left and I just plowed into him. Mm. Even though I could have just driven by, I'm in a car and they're walking. I decided I'd hit them with my car because somehow being in your locked car and there's people with signs that say Black Lives Matter, that scares you so you can hit them with your car. Like that is a law now. And it's outrageous. But again, well, that's just the new normal. So we have to hope that our new that he loses in 2022 and we get a new governor and she, the woman who's running against him, unwinds all his bullshit. But if she doesn't, then it's it forever. Yeah. But that, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, it's this thing Crazy. of like... But this thing of like um... It's, it's the downfall of humanity by increments. Mm -hmm. that's, know, that, that's by a thousand cuts. Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of, and that's what's happening. And that's but that's what this the end of this story is. It's that thing mm -hmm. of, of accepting the new normal because I can't be bothered because because I'm too busy or I've got other distractions or I've got you know I've got to focus on my life or whatever. And then you get like say her son uh, Kono who's got you looking up and going like no 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 like this is. Um, this is wrong. This is broken. Like I've got, I'm going to go and explore it. I'm going to do something else. I've got to read these things. I've got to find these things out. But as an individual, not enough because they've got the central committees. It's just sort of this, um, I don't know, this distant sort of like, you know, bureaucracy that runs it all. That's so yeah, the, the party, like faceless. again, 1984, obviously Orwell read this. Yeah. I mean, clearly yeah. you can tell who read this, right? Yeah. That's why I said room 101. I mean, you know, Orwell read this. It's like, fuck yeah. That's why, I, that's why, and it might be because I think personally, 1984 is the most important, not the best book, but the most important book ever written in English to me is mm -hmm. 1984. And I know it's a knockoff of the Russian book from like 1934 called We, which is also worth reading, which is, well, fuck your shit up. If you get a chance to read We, it is, <laughs> it, I, it terrified me. Like, because it was like, oh, this was also written in Russian. And the mm -hmm. reason like Orwell had to write 1984 is because, you know, We wasn't being published in Russian anymore. You know, so it's kind of like he got a copy of it. He's like, I got to do a version of this. But it's 1984, a little bit even on steroids. And what the idea being, of course, there is some bureaucracy in charge. And like, you know, which level of the circle are you in? Which part of the party you're in is how well your life is. So I still think at the end of this, I think everybody dies at the end of this. I think the party, the, the bureaucracy, the inter, inner circle, they all die. I, mm. I think everybody, I think the machine collapses on itself because that's the only way bureaucracies and authoritarian regimes can end is to collapse on themselves. We want to pretend that there's going to be a revolt, but as we saw in Cuba, in the you know you you were just replaced one monster for another monster. You have yeah. a coup. Well, that's not the way you make change is through coups, because then that guy's like, well, I've got I'm all the guns. You gave, yeah. yeah, you gave me all the guns. <laughs> I'm do the fuck I want. So what you always see is you see change through collapse. Mm. And as we, as we Americans are staring down the collapse of the American empire, rightfully so, it, time's up, guys. Let's let the Canadians try or something. It'll probably be nicer, at least. Um, 
but I, I just so I, I so to me that's why I think it's it's humans and that they, they use the AI to their advantage. They didn't know how to fix the machine, and so the people they say the people are hiding in the ferns on the surface because that's the yeah, only yeah, plant yeah. they know. They keep saying ferns, and that's funny to me. It's like somebody had a fern in their pod because, or somebody had a fern lecture because they don't that's say what trees. I was no. Yeah, they don't. That's the only plant anybody seems to know. Well, they're hiding in the ferns. Like, well, how stupid are you? Do you know how big ferns are? They're not hiding in the. <laughs> they're ferns. lying on it. They're all lying on their stomachs, just <laughs> hiding. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's so it, good. It, it is. And, you know, the final thing I was say is we just talk about the religious thing. I, I was reading. I'm still in the middle. Of, I haven't read all of it yet. Or I'm listening to it. Yet, you, I it. haven't picked it up yet. You told me about but, it. Yeah. yeah, a book by uh, called by Eric Davis. Uh, it was written in 1999. It's called Technosis, and it's the idea with of, a G with a G. So yeah, I spelled yeah. it wrong when I sent you the thing. With Technosis, I'm actually going to read. I'm, I'm going to pull up the title because it's so. Uh, the guy's written a couple of books that I've read. Um, but this one's called. Uh, there you go. I am just going to get it up uh, so I can read the title. Technosis, Myth, Magic and Mysticism in the Age of Information. And the, this, is, this, was in the, this was the idea that basically, like, it's the premise of has technology influenced our, um, what, our relationship with the mystical, you know, magic and all sorts of yeah. And obviously the answer is yes. Yeah, oh yeah, but like he said, like, of course it has, but, but it's not removed it. Like, you know, we have, we've never got rid of it. It's just, we've adapted it. Like, you know, uh, apparently we're saying like with the introduction of writing, um, I can't remember who he's saying, but like, there's a certain like empires like Mesopotamia. So the rule of Mesopotamia was a bit like, yeah, I get the point of writing. I see it, but I don't want the masses to have it because I don't want to lose our oral history. Like that's right. the way we've done things. But then obviously it did come in, this writing came in and we were like, actually, now we can write things down and we can explore things and da, 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 da. And it was like, you know, more then you get onto things like the printing press and so on and so forth but it was all this development of we've kept introducing things you know the bible for example is a technology 100 percent, yeah no, it's, that's it's, why christianity has made it so oh yeah exactly it's the center of the religion but it's a technology that book is it's printed yeah. it can be it can be um you know ch chipped away at sliced and diced to be used in different ways good or bad um and then it, it talks about this idea of technology and it comes on to towards the end of it. Like this, remember, this is this is before 2000, this was released. So social media, the internet was sort of like, you know. Just a baby. Just, just burgeoning. Yeah, it was just really just about that. And in that, he, he's sort of saying like, no, this is it. This is the new religion. You know, this information. 100%. Age, that we are looking at this thing. We're adapting. And that's what happens in this story. 1909, 90 years before technosis. That's what Ian Forrest is saying is, no, we just replaced it. We, you know, religion yeah. oh, didn't go yeah. away. We just worshipped something else, like, you know. Um, and we sun, still do. Yeah, the sun, you know, at the dawn of age, we saw the sun and the moon and the stars and the oceans, and we sort of, we gave them uh, mystic, godlike qualities. Like, we worship Ra or, you know, uh, Mars or, you know, Apollo, whatever. They have these representations, and then that got replaced. Now, the machine is God. And yeah. The machine is God, man. It yeah. is. It absolutely is. And it's funny because um, I just finished a book. It's just a short little book. Of, it's like a list. It's called 100 Things We Lost to the Internet. And it's written by an Xer. She wrote it for me. She's an Xer. She's like, mm -hmm. here's, here's, here's the thing, grumpy old Xers. We're just tired of everybody ignoring us. So we're going to write a book about things we're pissy about. And she acknowledges, like, I use the Internet. I love the Internet. But here's some cool things I wish 
I missed. And like writing a letter, even writing an email. Like to think when I was when I was in college, my undergraduate, emails were just starting and no one really used them. And this was, you know, I graduated at my undergrad in 95. And five years later, I'm getting trained to how to teach hybrid classes where half on ground and half online. And then, you know, now it's 2022. I spent the last eight years fully 100% teaching exclusively online. Mm. And I've been teaching online for about, like I said, 15, 16 years. I was teaching fully online classes by like 2005. 1995, didn't even, never sent no. an email. And so, so of course, emails aren't a thing anymore because, and, and people get mad at Xers because they're just like, why do you got to fucking send an email? Just send a text. Well, because I need context. I need to explain it to you. I want to, I could just, I mean, that's why we do a show like this because we want to have the hour long conversation instead mm. of just like, you should read this book. It's sweet. You could just, you could just send a tweet out, 20th century tweets and be like, this, this story is sweet. No context. Nobody's going to care, but because you have the context. And so just this, but, and that's like Mike's show, The Art of Conversation. Your show yeah. is about conversations. Those things are being lost. And this is the way we don't let them, we don't worship the machine. We use the machine. We, we treat it like a tool instead yeah. of like a magic. I mean, because I know if my computer breaks, I can't fix it. If the internet goes down, I honestly don't know how the internet works, but I know how to live without it. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, you know, I'm sat in the, you and I are sort of sat in the room, you know, the, you know yeah. where I am surrounded by books. I'm surrounded by, you know, the, the, like, yeah. But like I say, if the, te- yeah, if, the, if the internet were to go down, like, I would be pissed like it would Me really be, it'd be it's my livelihood yeah but i could go all right well i'll go do something else for a bit then yeah you know, I, I'd i go, go teach in a classroom I, yeah. I know how to do that yeah yeah but you, right. you say about this sort of social media thing one of the fascinating things i find is that you say about the you say about tweets you know this idea that, that twitter has become shortening 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 like look at tiktok you can do a 15 second video and people can make a fortune off doing that. That can become their, you know, that's somewhat an influencer. I, I don't understand what that means. I, I can barely influence, you know, people that live in the same house as me to clean the kitchen. So, one hundred percent. You've got a, you've got a tween daughter. Yes, yeah. I understand. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I am definitely not influencing anything. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> but yeah, but I find it fascinating. Like you say, that this story, like you said, let's not forget, like you know, this story is coming out. Um, eight years after the death of Queen Victoria, crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what I'm telling you. Like, you know, this this story is coming out five years before the start of World War One. You know, this story that we've talked about, this idea of, of the you know of the pods of the, the communication devices of uh, this idea of lectures being broadcast or being broadcast to, to audiences yeah. to this technology, all of this. Is a, is a hundred is is what 112 years old? Yeah, I know it's it's amazing, and I, I mean, thing is, we could re-rack, and I know we both got to wrap it up. I know mm. you said that, uh, but but we could re-rack tomorrow, have a totally different conversation. We yeah. could bring in Julian, we could bring in Jack, we could bring anybody, have a totally different conversation about the same book, and that's what makes that's why I love that you're doing story time because I think. It's another, and the 20th century geek in general is great because it's a reminder. Not You're not saying that it's perfect. You're not no. saying if it's not, you're not like Mike Myers, if it's not Scottish, it's crap. If it's not old, it's crap. What you're saying is it's not crap because it's old. You're saying you have something to learn from this. And I would make this required reading in mm-hmm. every high school right now immediately. I want every 14, 15 year old to read this story immediately. This is the thing is we, you and I, you know, particularly you, you sort of mentioned all these things that have clearly been influenced by this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so to me, this is like, 
the most influential unknown story <laughs> ever. I know it's insane. I can't believe you and I, the Pete, the shit that we love, mm. the fact that neither of us had heard of it. That's outrageous because this is something we should have. It should be. Yeah. It sh- it's weird that it didn't find our way. Like I was a library rat, you know? So it's like, I read short stories. I love this kind of stuff. It's so weird that I'd never heard of this. And again, so because of, but it was because terrestrial radio, I wasn't listening through the internet. I have an actual radio. It was actually listening to. And again, that's amazing though. Mag- magic of technology. Let me find this old story and it's free online. Yeah. I didn't have to go to the library to get it, of course, but yeah, it's crazy to me. So it is, you can see its fingerprints on everything. And I can't wait to really, like, like every time I'm looking at like, you know, Jules, Jules Verne stuff and even in like 19, you know, 1930s science mm-hmm. fiction, 1940s science fiction, I'm like, holy shit, they read this. Oh, yeah. this move clearly, like I said, 12 monkeys. Oh my God. The whole under, this is it. Oh yeah. No. Th- yeah. I, I, I literally watched 12 monkeys. Julian and I were talking about this. And I didn't oh, want to talk yeah. about the machines. I did mention it off air, but yeah, I'm, I'm watching that film going like, huh? <laughs> yeah. He read this. Yeah, well, the, and, but that's based on a, a French short film. Uh, the right. And like, that's so right. I went, I went back and watched that, and I was like, "That's where I was like, huh?" <laughs> like, yeah. And this is amazing. I, and, this, and this is what 20th Century Geek is all about. Where I'm like, I start to pick away at things, and someone's like, "I really like this," and I'm like, "Yeah, but where did that come from? Oh, it came from this. Oh, that's come from this. There's always a trail. Like everything comes from something else. And th- th- this story, like you say, is is. I can't believe it's not a milestone to, you know, I can't believe it doesn't, it doesn't get um, as widely read as, as it, you know, it should. should. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, we, we, we'll wrap up on there. So like really seriously, there's a link below, like go check this story out. And if you like it, pass it on. You know, if this yeah. film, if this makes you feel uncomfortable, like pass it on. I'm going to start using it this summer, like, because I have to design my courses so far in advance because they mm. open. So I couldn't drop it in right now. But, um, and I'm, because I can give it away for free, I can start adding it as early as maybe March, but definitely June. This is going to show up. I have this class where they think about um, like values and, and the, the way that we live now. Mm. So this is, I think I'm going to move this to like week one of the senior seminar class and be like, let's think about this story okay. and how, what's the, What's the lens that we're living in? So I'm going to start making my students read it. Without I'd a doubt. And, I'd, and I'd love to hear what they have to say. I will I let you know, 100%. Yeah. But anyway, let's, let's wrap up this. Any final thoughts on The Machine Stops? Read it. Fucking yeah. read it. I mean, seriously, Jack, start making your kids read this, your high school kids, anybody who teaches high school. If you have high schoolers, even if, I mean, even if you, I think anybody who's got a kid who's Gen Z, I mean, when your daughter's old enough, she obviously needs to read this. This is... And I know they're going to be like, whatever, but if you just hand it to them and don't give them the lecture or you just say, he read this, I think you'll dig it. Mm. Then let, then their intellectual curiosity will be peaked. You know I mean? That's the problem when you make something an assignment and kids are dicks about it. But I just think start getting this into the hands of as many people as you can, because again, the internet is great, but let it be a tool. Don't you be the tool. Yes. No, it, it's an, it should allow you your curiosity to grow, not to focus you um yeah you know not to limit you so yeah no i agree i think this story it set my brain off in so many directions me too so good thanks Um, for saying thanks for saying let's talk about it no no when you you sent it to me like you said and i was like yeah i'll read this and i was like no we've got to talk about this like this is mental (laughs) this is like i you said i cannot believe i've never come across a story like you know the stories that like you know obscure little sort of like usually by well, and authors and stuff, but I've got enough junk in my head that this should 
have already been living in there. It should have been, not. right? It's mm. crazy because you're like, it's insane. But I'm so glad we read it. I'm so glad I found it. We talked about yeah. it. And this is exciting. And so I've sent it to people. So I can't wait. And I'll send them the link. It's like, hey, I sent you that story. You should read it. So you can listen to us talk about it. Um, yeah. So thanks for this, man. This was no, a joy. Fantastic. As always, it's been fantastic, Tony. Anyway, but where before we go, where can people find you? Where can people listen sure. to you? Uh, yes. Well, I'm on the Comics in Motion Network, of which mm. you are like, you know, our, our first cousin. And uh, so Comics in Motion Network, make sure you subscribe to that. And I've got a show in the Comic Spotlight on there and Seasons Greetings on there with Jack, where we go through shows. Uh, this day that this comes out is his birthday. And our mm. fourth, fourth episode of Angel came out today. Um, and then we're going to finish Angel. And then we're going to put out a poll. We're going to do like a mini, like either Firefly or Spaced or The Prisoner or something like that. And then next oh, year, we're cool. going to then we're going to get into fringe. Um, so that's going to be exciting. And then of course we started the pop gorillas on comics and notion, but that we, it became too big and we felt like we were taking over everybody's show. So pop gorillas is its own little feed. We occasionally show up on comics and motion. So all around, so you can just go to comics motion, go to pop gorillas. I am back on Twitter. I took a, a Twitter break. My Twitter's back activated. I haven't done anything yet, but that's tricycle Boombox. but mostly follow the shows and my website is just my initials, A.R. Farina. Um, you can read, I have a dystopian short story that I had published last year about technology addiction. So you can find a link there uh, and read send, that if you'd uh, like. Put it in, it'll be in the links below, send it to me. Okay, email. I will absolutely. It yep, it's called uh, Surgeon General's Warning. And it was uh, it was actually pre-pandemic. So I guess it was two years ago and the argument was uh, cell phones, the, the Surgeon General of the United States decided cell phones were carcinogen, were worse than carcinogen, so they banned them with from minors. And that's the story. Still could happen, tell you. Still yeah, could happen. Uh, let's hope. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's me. But yeah, but that's Tony. So yeah, I'll, let's say the links below to the story. There'll be links now to uh, below to Tony's story and to Pop Gorillas and all this. Pops and Pop Gorillas is awesome, by the way. It's like, Thank I love you. Seasons we have so much like, fun. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's such a good uh, good show. Um, anyway, for us, if you enjoy what we, we're doing, if you really enjoy it, like see, you know, you're listening to this, we're in your ears. Go to your podcast catcher, leave a start five star review or a four star review, but preferably five star review. Five stars all yeah, the way. Tell us why you love us. Um, and if you really enjoy what we're doing, check out our Patreon. Uh, we do all kinds of bits and pieces on there. It's www.patreon.com slash 20cgmedia. That's 20cgmedia. Uh, I've got a weekly podcast there. I'm Julian Darris, the guy who said I do uh, stories out of time and space with. We're looking at the Twilight Zone, every episode of the Twilight Zone. I do a monthly podcast called 30 Minute Thoughts, where it's my brain for 30 minutes. And then also quarterly creator uh, corner, where it's uh, me talking to a creator of some kind, could be anything. Uh, just about what they do and why they do it. I've had some fantastic. Those are great like, shows. I love listening to those too. Those yeah, are well, they've been fantastic. I've had, I've had uh, Kieran Gillen on. I recently had Laura Summer, who was the voice of Janine Melnitz. That was quite good fun. That was uh, a great show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, check it out. It, again, link to that below. But uh, Tony, thank you very much uh, for coming Thank you. On. Uh, it's been a while, but we'll have you back again soon. But yeah, you're right. Story time will be again after this one. It'll be back in the next quarter. Four. You're going to get four story times uh, this year. That's, that's amazing uh, yeah and in the next episode it's going to be called then and again that's the next episode i take a we take a, an original and it's remake a movie <gasps> and i get to talk about it and the next one we're going to be talking about evil dead so uh, Ooh. Be, yeah are you going to do evil dead and evil dead 2 or evil dead and evil dead evil dead and evil dead 2013 oh okay because evil dead 2 is sort of technically mm, a remake yeah, yeah it is i'm it sure is. that'll come up yeah, that, that'll be part of the conversation but nice. evil dead 81 and evil dead 2013 can't wait to hear that no, looking forward to it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.